Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. Grab your Bible and go to Matthew chapter number three. Matthew chapter number three is where we're going to read from today. And I want to take a week today. We finished out the book of Philippians last week, and we're going to start a new collection next week. And so I wanted to pause between topics, between collections, if you will, and share just the standalone message today that's been on my heart for a little while. I've been thinking about it and marinating on it, and it's really ministered to me in the last six months, I would say. And it's something I've just been wanting to share with our church family, and I wanted to find the right time and find a time where it fit in what we were doing. So I thought today would be a good day to do it. So I want to share from Matthew chapter number three. I'm going to read two verses, verses 16 and 17. Are you ready to receive God's word? This is the baptism of Jesus. He has come, and John the Baptist has declared he is the one, he's the Messiah, and and Jesus is modeling for us water baptism. Here's what the scripture says in Matthew 3, verse number 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, landing on him. Now, this is a great picture of the Trinity. We see uh, this in a few instances in the scripture. The word Trinity is not in the Bible, but uh, we, we draw a theology, not from the, maybe the exact vocabulary of the Bible, because again, you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible, but the Trinity is, is the theological stance that God is one person, or he is he's, he's one God in three different persons. He's one being that exists in three different ways, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And here there's a few instances in the scripture where you see the Trinity um, all together. You see all three of the persons of God operating together. You've got God the Father, the Spirit descending like a dove, and Jesus coming out of the water. And I love that it says the Spirit descends like a dove, not a dove. I think sometimes we read this and we think like a dove came down and landed on him. A dove didn't land like you just saw that on a, like a show because <laughs> that's what the shows do. They have a dove. Like a dove didn't come down. The Spirit came down like a dove. And a voice from heaven, this is the voice of the Father in verse number 17. This is where we're going to talk today. A voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. Today I want to talk around this idea, and I think it's going to minister to you. I hope it does like it's ministered to me the last six months. What every person needs to hear. What every person needs to hear. Father, thank you for your word today, and Lord, I pray your spirit would continue to dwell with us as we receive your word today. May you do what I cannot do, and that is change our hearts and change our lives. Father, will we leave today not having heard a talk, watched a video, listened to a podcast, attended a service, but God, may we have heard from you. So Spirit of God, minister to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. You can take your seat this morning. I believe that every single person, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what your upbringing was, no matter your ethnicity, no matter what culture or geographic area of the globe you grew up in, I believe every single person is hardwired for certain things. It's just hardwired 
It's, it's in us. It's, it's in us for certain things. And I, I would say that the, the scriptures support the idea that, that, that there are things in every single human being. There are longings, desires. There are things that every single person for all of time has been hardwired for. And I, today, there's, some, there's a few of these things that I want to speak into from the baptism of Jesus. And I love the story in Matthew 3 of the baptism of Jesus because it's one of only two instances recorded in scripture where you see the voice of the Father speaking over the Son. Where you see the voice of the Father speaking over the Son. Now we know the Father and the Son talked often. We, there's often times recorded Jesus went away to pray. Jesus went alone to seek the Father. Jesus went alone. He went away to be with the Father. But it's not often recorded what the father says to the son, what the father says over the son. And, and here in Matthew 3, we see what the father speaks over the son. The only other time this is recorded, it's only recorded twice in the scriptures. It's recorded in Matthew 3 and then Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration. On the Mount of Transfiguration is the only other instance where we see the voice of the father speaking over the son. And what's interesting, in both times they're recorded, in Matthew 3 and Matthew 17, both times we see the father speak over the son, both of those instances, the father says the same thing. The only time it's recorded, the scriptures go out of their way, God goes out of his way, the spirit inspiring the authors of the scriptures to, to tell us that God is saying the same thing over his son, both times that we see the Father speaking over Jesus. And what's interesting in Matthew 3 and Matthew 17 is these are two completely different seasons of ministry for Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is unknown. Nobody knows who he is. Like crowds aren't following yet. John is pointing towards him, but he, he has done no miracles. He has preached no sermons. He is unknown and is beginning his ministry. And God says something over him. And then in Matthew chapter 17, he is well known at this point. He has a following. He has done miracles. There has been signs and wonders. And the father speaks over him three years later at the end of his public ministry and says the same thing that he did at the beginning before he was known and before he did a thing. And I think there are instances in scripture where Jesus does some things, and hear me for a second. He does some things that he didn't need because he's Jesus, but he does it because we need it. For example, his baptism. We know that the baptism of John, the baptism in water, it's what we celebrated here a few weeks ago with those that got water baptized. The scriptures say the baptism of John, the baptism in water, is a baptism of repentance. It's, it's saying, hey, I've turned from my sins, I've trusted Jesus as my savior, and now I'm, I'm publicly declaring I'm being baptized in water as a baptism of repentance. Now, Jesus didn't need to get water baptized for that reason, because he didn't need to repent of anything. He was perfect. He, he, is, he is the righteousness of Christ. There is no sin in Jesus. So Jesus didn't need to be water baptized because he needed to repent of anything. He was doing it as, as a model for how we are to follow Jesus and what we are to do with our lives as we follow him. So it is, I believe, with the words that the Father spoke over the Son in Matthew chapter 3. I don't think God 
spoke these words over Jesus because Jesus didn't know him. I don't think God spoke these words over Jesus because Jesus was incomplete or struggling or having a hard time without it and he needed it because Jesus, Jesus needed nothing. Jesus is, he is God. He is, he is full. He is complete. He lacks nothing. He, he is God. I think theologically in Matthew chapter three, God spoke these words over Jesus for the people around to hear, to know who Jesus was. And I believe also that these are the things that God not only spoke over Jesus, that, that Jesus needed to hear, not because he had lack, but because this is the heart of the Father towards his Son. And I think every single person on this planet, every single person in the room today, every single person that's watching on YouTube, you are hardwired to hear these things from the Father. It is in your heart to need these things from the Father. And I want to go through each of these three things today, and I want you to write these down. The first one is this. The first thing he says is, this is my son. This is a statement of identity. This is my son. He's, he's giving Jesus, he's, he's making a statement of identity. Or you could say he's making a statement of acceptance. You're my son. Acceptance is such a big deal because rejection hurts so much, doesn't it? If you've lived any amount of time and tried to do anything at all, you have been rejected. You have faced rejection. And rejection stings, doesn't it? Some sting more than others. Some can roll right off your back. Some are kind of funny. Some are, but some, some rejection hurts. Some rejection just stings, whether it was, it was a tryout for something or a job interview or a family member that was supposed to love you but rejected you or somebody that you were once in relationship with and they went in a different direction and so they rejected you or whatever it is, rejection hurts because it makes you feel like you are not wanted. Makes you feel like you're not wanted. I love this quote by Mother Teresa. She said it like this. The greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It's being unwanted, unloved, or uncared for. Rejection hurts. And I think this is why the first statement of Jesus is a statement of identity and a statement of acceptance. But it's important to know me and you, although he made this statement about Jesus and we're hardwired to hear this from the Father, I think it's important to know you were not born into acceptance by God. Like you sitting in Oasis Church today does not give you acceptance by God. You watching YouTube today and tuning in, and thanks for doing it. Hit subscribe, by the way, while you're here. Come on, somebody. You tuning into this today does not give you acceptance from God. You, you were not born into acceptance by God. And, and if you got kids, you know this. You know this. You, you know you don't have to train your kid to do bad. You don't have to work hard to instill selfishness in your child. Like hardwired in the DNA of every human is self-centeredness, rebellion, is, is sin. 
And, and what God accepts, hear me, I want you to go with me for a second. God accepts one thing and one thing only, and that's holiness. And because me and you weren't born holy, we were not born into acceptance by God. God accepts one thing. God accepts holiness. And the only one that was holy and righteous is Jesus. And so how we get accepted by God is we put our faith in Jesus. And because God accepts Jesus, God accepts us. This is why in the book of Hebrews where it says, With, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And people think of that. It's like, oh, you know, I just have to dream for something big or think about something crazy, and now I please God. No, no, no. Faith pleases God. What, how do you please God? The only one that pleased God ever was Jesus. How do you get Jesus? By faith. Faith in Jesus pleases God. Yes. Are you with me today? Yes. So, so. Holiness pleases God. Jesus pleased God. By faith, we receive Jesus. And so the good news today is if you are in Christ, if you have put your faith in him, the statement of the Father, this is my son, is a statement of acceptance. It's a statement of identity. You are my son. Today, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, you, you are not accepted by God based on your own merit, but the good news of the gospel is today you can believe in Jesus by faith and have acceptance before God, not because of your own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus. And I think every person needs to hear, this is why, this is why the gospel is so crucial, for, for so many reasons, but I think every single person needs to hear in their own heart that, that they're accepted by the Father. You can overcome man's rejection when you embrace God's acceptance? How, how do you overcome the fact that you've been rejected by men, the fact that you're accepted by God? When you know you're accepted by God, you don't need to be accepted by man. It's a statement of identity. This is my son. The second statement is this. He says, whom I love. It's a statement of affection. I think every single person needs to hear, you are mine, and they also need to hear, I love you. This is the father saying to the son, I love you. I've got affection towards you. Now, this is, a, this is an interesting discussion today, because what is love today? Depends on who you ask, right? Um, you know, people say, like, I love my spouse, and I love Jesus, and I love tacos, and I like, and all these things are in the same. It's like, well, I hope you love your spouse more than tacos. You know what I mean? I hope you love Jesus more than, right? It's like love, love, love means all kinds of different things to different people today. There's, there's some people that think love means acceptance or approval of everything. Like, if I love you, that means I have to approve of everything that you do. That's like, what, what, what is love? And again, depending on who you ask, this is culturally today, this is such a, a up for grabs kind of word, but the scripture has more than one word to describe love. The scripture has more than one word to describe it, there's four different words in the Greek for love, and I've taught about this about a year ago, but I want to go through it again. The first kind of love in the scripture, the first Greek word is phileia, phileia, and it's a friendship. It's a brotherly love. This is why Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love, because phileia. This is a friendship kind of love. This is like 
You know, this is your coworkers that you kind of laugh with on your lunch break. This is your neighbors that you go on uh, walks with the dog with and wave at on occasion. This is the people at church maybe that you see in the lobby and say hey to and maybe that you serve next to. And, and it's, it's, it's somewhat of a surface level. It's a friendly, brotherly love or affection towards someone. Philea, okay? This is the shallowest version of love in the scripture. Step number two, to increase it a little bit, is eros. Eros. Eros is a romantic love. Eros is like all the feels. <laughs> eros is a sexual love. It's, it's the butterfly kind of love. It's, it's the one in Hollywood and in culture that is glamorized and celebrated and, oh, they make me feel and he makes me feel and, oh my gosh, I've never felt this way and she just, da, 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 it's, it's, it's that, that's Eros kind of love. The third kind of love in the scripture is storge, storge. Storge love is family love, family love. Blood love. It's love. You didn't choose these people, and you love them. <laughs> Is that funny to some of y'all? <laughs> you, you love them because you're family. You do anything for them. You lay down your life for them. Like, yeah, there's tensions. Yeah, there's weird things. Yeah, there's all this. But it's like, you're just family. Okay, that's storge love in the scripture. And the fourth kind of love, the deepest love, is agape love. Agape love is the scripture's love that defines God's love for us. Agape love is divine love. It's unconditional love. It's love that is not based on the recipient, but on the one giving it. It's, it's love that is not dependent on circumstance. It's covenant kind of love. And love is experienced different in all of these kinds of love, okay? Like, for example, philea love, love experienced in friendships is fickle. All right, let's just be real. It's fickle. Like, people that you were friends with, like, 10 years ago, and you're like, they're my lifers. It's like, you know, like, they're really just not in your life anymore, and that's fine. It's not because, like, they're wrong, or you're wrong, or they're so, it's like, philea friendships are fickle. It's like, I went to school with them, but then we went to different cities or or we were in the same high schools but then went to different colleges or like they got married and I ain't seen them since you know what I mean or like uh they had kids and they were gone you know what I mean like it's that's filet of love it's like oh they got a new job oh they're not interested anymore oh they got this other group of friends that's more interested in this and it's it's fickle it's fragile and that's not bad that's just the nature of it Love experienced in filet love is, is, is fickle love. Eros love, the romantic love, all the feels kind of love, love experienced in romance is fading. <laughs> it's fading. Like you getting older. Like all the feels, they go away. Anybody that's been married more than about a year would know this. Come on, somebody. It's like, they go away. It's like, oh, we're just hitting it off. And he just makes me like, all the movies and kind of stuff, like right off in the sunset, like they need to do part two. Like six months later, we're like, there's no feels. Eros, Eros love is fading away. 
Storge love, storge love, love experienced in family, it can be frustrating. It can be frustrating. Because it's not fickle, like they can just go away like maybe some of your friends could or a different season. It's like, nah, you're stuck with them. It's your family. Love experienced in storge love can be frustrating. But look, love experienced that is agape love, God's love is foundational. It's solid. It's steadfast. It's unconditional. It's not going anywhere. And this is why it's so important to realize and to receive what Jesus or what the Father spoke over Jesus when he, he said, hey, you're mine and I love you. What is he saying? He's saying, I love you with an agape love. My love is committed to you. And this is huge for us to receive because depending on the season you're in, you'll try to talk yourself out of God loving you because you don't feel lovable at times. Like you can hardly love yourself. How could a perfect God in heaven who sees more and knows every intention of your heart, how could he really love you? And so you could begin to talk to yourself and, and begin to talk yourself out of God's agape love for you. But the, the nature of agape love is it's not dependent on you. <laughs> it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. And this is why I think every person on the planet needs to hear from the Father, I love you. I love you. He says this over Jesus. He says, hey, you're mine. You're mine, and I love you. And the last thing he says, number three is this. I want you to write this down. He says, I'm pleased with you. It's a statement of affirmation. There's affirmation from the Father. There's not only acceptance and affection there's affirmation. Here's what I know about every single person in the room, including myself, definitely myself, is we all have a desire to be liked. All of us want to be liked. Did you know in February of 2009, the entire world changed? Do you guys know what happened in February 2009? February 2009 was when Facebook created the like button. <laughs> before you used to just be on Facebook to like see what was up. It's so funny in my memories and my little time hop on Facebook, I'll like see pre-2009, like what I, was, what I was like posting about or whatever. And it was like, you know, it's just hilarious stuff. And it was like, I just see it and I'm like, oh, I was just so free. People just there to talk with their friends. People just see. But in February 2009, Facebook introduced the like button. And, and, and what it did was it revealed the desire that is in every person to be liked. <laughs> There's studies that have done on this, and I'm sure the studies were done on people that aren't like you, but, but th there were studies that were done. People, people will literally post a post and watch it, and if a certain amount of time goes by without likes, they'll take it down because they're insecure. Yeah, just laugh it off. If it's you, just laugh it off. It's fine. Chuckle. That's probably somebody else. Yeah. Teenagers today, this next generation is, is played, they live and die by the like. I, I, I spend my summers at youth camps talking, talking to teens and preaching to teens and, and their entire identity is wrapped around wanting to be liked. And it's, 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 it's basically, we, we have it in us to want to be liked by people. And by the way, I think wanting to be liked is normal. But needing to be liked is dangerous. Wanting to be liked is normal. 
Needing is dangerous. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says it like this. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. What is he saying? Hey, it's a trap. <laughs> you, you need to be liked. It, it's a trap. It's never enough. Some of you just need to admit or confess today what other people think about me matters too much in my life. I know, I know this is something I've said. I've discovered this. Because what other people think of me is way more important to me than it needs to be. I just want to remind you today, you're not here on this earth to please other people. You're here to please God. You're not here on this earth to win the approval and likes of other people. You're here to win the approval of God. Some of you in this room, you're a leader. You lead people. God's given you the gift of leadership in different areas of your life, in your home, in your workplace, in the community. But you can't be a good leader because you need to be liked by those that you lead. And if you need them, you can't lead them. I'll be honest as your pastor, okay? I, I love it after service. I love it when y'all are like, Pastor Nate, that was so good. Pastor Nate, that helped me. Like, like it makes me feel good because sometimes I just preach and I'm like, oh gosh, that was terrible. Like, oh Lord, the devil's probably worshiping after that one. You know what I mean? It's like, oh gosh, just, or, 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 you know, I'll go places on the road or whatever. And, you know, like other pastors like, like spend resources and travel and stuff to come bring me in. And so I want to do a good job and I'll get in the car with them afterwards. And, you know, hey, like what you think about the message? I, I just want to be liked, right? Like I want I want approval, but, but I, I can't need that if I'm going to effectively lead our church. I, I, I can't need my ego to be puffed up in the lobby about how I did that Sunday if I'm going to lead our church into the future. I, I need to, I'm not after the approval of men. I'm after the approval of God. Paul said it like this in Galatians. He said, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? If I were still trying to please God, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. When I don't know what God says about me, I get consumed about what man thinks about me. And for some of you, you just need affirmation from the Father. So to stop living for the approval of other people. And I wanna close by saying this. I think every single person, like I said, in the world needs to hear, you're mine. I love you and I'm pleased with you. I'm proud of you. And these needs and things that we have in our life, how God designed it is that people, we, we, we talk about this all the time, God uses people to fulfill his mission. The hands and feet of Jesus are people. Like, like quit waiting for God to do something, you do something in Jesus' name. You know, like we, 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 we say this all the time. And I think when it comes to this, I think that God designed our greatest needs to be partially fulfilled in people, but fully fulfilled in God. Every person needs to hear these things. And I think every single person needs to hear these things from another person. I think the way God designed it is that the father figure in the home would speak these things over the children of the home. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I'm proud of you. Like, yeah, you just messed up. Yeah, you disobeyed me, but you're my son. I love you, and I'm proud of you. And I say that to Silas 30 times a day. I say every, every night when, we, when we're going to bed, hey, you're my boy. You're my boy. I love you. And I'm proud of you. I don't care what kind of day we had. I don't care how. You're my boy. I love you. 
and I'm proud of you. And I think every person needs to hear these things. And I, I wanna pray specifically for people today. I'm, I'm getting ready to close, I wanna pray. For people today that haven't heard it from an earthly authority figure. And there's a void in your heart, in your life, where maybe your dad wasn't around, maybe your dad was geographically around, but not emotionally around, or spiritually around. And you're, you're dying, you don't know it, but I'm putting words to it today. You're dying on the inside to know that you're accepted. You're dying on the inside to know you're loved. And you're dying on the inside to know that you're, you're approved of. There's, there's delight taken in you by the Father. Today, I just wanna pray God's word over you today that you would receive that from the heavenly Father. Maybe you haven't received it from an earthly father and today you wanna receive it from a heavenly Father. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.